Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This one's hot takey. Very hot takey. Zeke likes mashers and we got them. Staskast page would make a, a bull angry, honestly. I mean, it's all red. You are listening to the commissioner's office. Here's your host, the fantasy baseball commissioner himself. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the commissioner's office. I'm your host and the fantasy baseball commish, Nathan. You can follow me at Dynasty One Stop and find info on my commissioning service at my website, linked on the Twitter account. We'll be back after this break to talk to D. Mendy about triple play, relegation redraft, dog parent best ball, and his predictions for the season. There is a brief stretch where we had some connection issues, so I've cleaned it up while trying to get as much of his great analysis in there as possible. We'll jump into that after this quick break. Now stepping into the commissioner's office, it is, to borrow his line, a man who is the head of the three-headed monster that is triple play, who can certainly lift more than you, who is not Mike Curlin's favorite DM initials on Twitter, a man who co-hosts a podcast with a piece of cake, FSWA member, fan tracks writer, dog parent, best ball and relegation redraft manager, a Dylan Cease believer, it is D. Mendy. Mendy, thanks for joining. I've been introing people all wrong. I've been doing it wrong. You've been doing it so much better than me. I'm taking notes immediately from the start. That was incredible, man. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Yeah, it's good to have you on. You don't obviously do enough podcasting, you know, ever. (laughs) It's it's my fiance being very flexible and letting me do a few a week. And as long as we spend time together. So she's very, very forgiving with that a good balance so the obligatory question for all commissioner office guests how did you get into fantasy baseball um and now to where you're at producing content so i think like many people i started in the fantasy football kind of gig thing and i still play a lot of fantasy football but it was about maybe five or six years ago that my that my brother who does the show with me the doc uh, said, Hey, why don't we start a fantasy baseball league? And I had done it once years and years ago. And I said, it's too much work. I don't want to do it. (laughs) And he said, why don't you just give it another try? And he hadn't really done it too much either, but he wanted to get back into it. And we made the league and it got really competitive and it was just, I had a blast and I loved the daily transactions of it more since I understood kind of what was going on and uh, we were sucked in. And so we'd been doing a home league for about five, six years. And 
uh, it was about this year that we uh, we kind of really started getting into it to the point where we wanted to pot about it and talk about it. And that made our love grow a hundred times more. And mm. uh, I just, again, I, I love the, the fact is fantasy football, there's a lot of luck involved. Injuries play such a huge role. But fantasy baseball is such a grind that it's the mm. hardest workers and it's the people that spend the time to be able to learn the game and learn how to do it the right way that are going to win. And that's one of the things that sucks me in is, you know, if, if you're good, you're going to show that you're good. It doesn't really matter about luck in fantasy baseball. So um, that, that basically carried me into it. And then us potting and meeting all the great people in the community has kind of led us to where we are now, where we talk about it every week. And we've gotten to meet such great people like yourself and others in the industry. Nice. So was that what started Triple Play or were you guys doing the other ones first? We started, we started with the football pod in the end of 2019. And it was just a kind of a thing we did with friends. They hopped on. It was kind of just, we weren't really expecting people to listen, just something fun to do. And mm -hmm. then we started doing the baseball one. We brought on me and my brother brought cheesecake on for the baseball one because he's also in our home league. And okay. immediately right from the start, we were having a blast. We were going to a lot more analysis than we had been on the football show. And we even were able to land a couple big time guests. We had Matt caps, I think was our first one, the former closer. Mm -hmm. And that was when we kind of felt like, Oh, like, man, this is, it might be legit. Like we just talked to Matt caps and Chad Cordero and a couple of those guys. And we like, uh, that the football guys that we do it with kind of noticed, they said, Hey, how are you guys getting these guests? Your show is so much more professional. And I said, we're all like, just, really want this to become a thing so we're putting in the time and not just showing up and talking and mm -hmm. that kind of the baseball one set the tone for all our shows and kind of the putting in the work for all three of them and so even though football was first baseball has been first and foremost our most successful show and it's also been the one that set the tone for the other two to follow yeah and for our guests who don't listen, or if you do care about football and basketball, those shows get some pretty cool guests, former players, coaches. Um, yeah, I see the names come across and I was like, I don't even follow these sports and I know who that guy is. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So that, that league that you started up that kicked off baseball, was that a redraft or is that a dynasty? It's a redraft points league. Okay. And that's it was just like with a bunch of friends and everything so it's very almost as basic as you can get yeah classic home league um so is that still kind of your favorite format or have you dived into dynasty or is it mostly still redraft type stuff uh it's i've haven't done as much dynasty as i would have liked and i think i'll probably do more of it next year uh, but as i've gotten more into the industry this year i had never really played too much roto and now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing 10 leagues this year and nine of the 10 are Roto. So okay. uh, I've just been a lot more exposed to a lot more familiar with it over the past year. And I actually now I'm starting to prefer that just because I feel like as I've, I've kind of furthered myself in the industry, I think points leagues are not to shoot down people who do do points leagues, but I feel like that's kind of almost more the beginner type of way to play. And then mm. once you become more advanced and more skilled, then you, you go into more of the Roto or you go into the, uh, a categories league with, a, you know, OBP or something like that. It's, I think the, that's where more skill can come in there. 
And I like having stolen bases be a valuable commodity, which in points leagues, they're not. So mm. um, we'll keep always have my points league as a, or my home league as a points league, but I've definitely shifted towards wanting to do Roto and I'll probably shift more into a lot more dynasty for the years to come probably next year. Yeah. I, I mean, I love dynasty, so can't say enough about doing that, but there, there certainly is a level with Roto cause you can't ignore a stat, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't do a ton with points, but with best ball, those are all points formats. And it's kind of like, I don't really care where my points come from as long as they're there and you can't really right. do that mentality. So certainly, uh, so one, one of your Roto leagues is relegation redraft league. Um, you're in that MLB group. Uh, what, what was your approach going into that draft? Uh, how did you want to do that draft? What were your thoughts there? Um, how do you generally approach these like that? And were you kind of thinking like, I don't want to get relegated. I want to win it all. How did you go into that draft? Well, I think first and foremost, like, I don't think you can ever go into it scared about like, Oh, if I, if I don't do well, I'm going to get relegated because then you're going to draft scared and you're not going to make the picks you would normally make where you're confident and you're going to second guess yourself. So that's, that's kind of the first thing. Um, but generally what I like to do for the most part is I like to go pocket aces. That's kind of, I know Toby's the one who's kind of <laughs> been the name associated with that, but in my home leagues, I just always found that whenever I didn't attack pitching early that I would eat no matter how good my hitting was. And again, this is more points league. So, you know, in Roto, it's probably a little bit different, but in points mm-hmm. leagues, I would just be getting a ton of negative starting from streamers and mm. it was just not ideal for me. So I've just always kind of adapted the, the pocket ace strategy when I can. And I was ecstatic in this draft to get Jacob DeGrom at six. And then on the way back, Luis Castillo to be my pocket aces. If I had done the draft now, I've actually grown to be more fond of Brandon Woodruff. So Hmm. that's like probably the only switch I would have made there. And then I look, I was able to get a four category guy in DJ LeMayhew in the third, plug him in at a a spot in second base that can get shallow very quickly. Then I look at Zach Plesak in the fourth, and that's something I think at the time when his value was overinflated, I wish I could take back as well. Uh, he's, I definitely feel like I could have gotten him later and I would have rather drafted a Vlad, uh, a Corey Seager, even if I'm looking for stolen bases, getting out of Berto Mondesi in the fourth, something like that, that were available. Um, so that, that's one thing I really regret. And I also had Dalton Varsho who at the time was catcher eligible. He's catcher eligible still, but he's just got demoted. Um, yeah. so I think the stolen bases kind of drew me in, but I was actually generally pretty pleased with my later round picks. I have Amir Garrett. Dylan Cease, of course, Austin <laughs> Riley, who's been looking great. is going to be the third baseman for the Braves. Ty France, Adam Adovino, who I think is going to eventually be the closer for the Red Sox. So there were a lot of guys I felt I did really well on later on in this draft. Yeah, yeah, that Leclerc injury is going to hurt you, but I feel yeah. that one. I have a lot of shares of him. So, um, yeah, overall, <clears throat> like the team build, um, especially thinking OBP, you've got some smart plays there. If Kalenic's up early, um, I know Eric was not happy with Kalenic going <laughs> off the board before he could get him. Um, but yeah, so how do you, f- overall, seems you feel good about the team. Um, when you look at the other rosters, 
do you think you're going to have to make some trades to fill in holes or feel pretty good just riding the waiver wire? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll have to fill in some holes. Obviously, I really, right now, my like my saves are not ideal. Obviously, losing LeClerc was huge for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Amir Garrett looks like he's going to be the closer, but it's not guaranteed. So I could be hurting in saves. I'm generally a fan of a lot of the ways I, I kind of went. I mean, Michael Lorenzen also looks like he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I anticipate I'll probably be making moves uh, for the back end. I'll probably also, I feel like I could use a little bit more power in some areas. So I might look to acquire some power. My pitching in general, I feel pretty good about with, I took three in the first four picks. Tyler Molly mm-hmm. and Corey Kluber, I feel like are good back end guys that I feel pretty confident will at least be stable. And then I have Dylan Cease as my sixth guy. Um, so I'm not too worried about my starting pitching right now, but mm-hmm. I, I think power and saves are the two things I'll probably be looking to acquire. And there, there are obviously this is a really sharp league. So, yeah. you know, there are a lot of really well-built teams in here. So I'll be interested to see when the season gets going, kind of how I stack up against how they're doing. And, you know, hopefully there are some people that are hurting in areas that I'm strong at that we can make a trade work for both of us. Yeah, certainly. And for our listeners, this is a little different than like the NFBC format. There are injured spots. So if you want to move someone there, you don't just have to get rid of them if they're injured or mm-hmm. waste a bench spot. So that's nice for sure. Yeah, it should be. I'm excited to see how this plays off, especially with the overall component for the minor leaguer groups to see how everyone ranks and how that all plays out. It should be really fun to see yeah dude that was incredible that you putting that together man like i i you got i know how many people blew up your dms to get into that that was <laughs> oh I mean, man like how many wasn't it like there's the the mlb triple a double a single and then isn't there some independent leagues too uh there's high a low a i ended up changing them to that and then an okay. afl one yeah so um and there's a satellite league that's not really affiliated but loosely so yeah, um, I was not expecting that much interest. I was thinking this would be two leagues, not six, but I'm glad we could get it going and I'm excited to see how the first year will shake out uh, and then hopefully keep this going for a long time. Um, kind of got the dynasty of you're playing with similar managers, but you redraft every year. Kind of the home league feel too, I guess, with that, but should be fun. Uh, so and- moving on to the other league um i guess one that i'm actually in which we don't usually talk about leagues i play on this podcast but the dog parent best ball um have you done much best ball before this this is my first year really getting into it for baseball i had done it on okay. with football before but uh, I, I love it i absolutely love it yeah i've really enjoyed it. i've only done a couple but it is nice to get to do the draft and then just kind of sit back and uh, see how things go from there. Um, so how did you feel with this draft? Um, of course, you know, you had help since it was the dog draft. Mm-hmm. So you weren't on your own, but how did you feel about how the draft played out? Um, or I guess how should, how did Zeke feel about how the draft played out? Um, yeah. Well, as Zeke was chewing a piece of my backpack as we were talking, um, <laughs> so he was trying to get involved while we were talking about this. 
so it, it's kind of interesting because this is reflective of a lot of how my drafts have been in the sense of I've been in seven out of my 10 leagues I'm in this year, I've been picking either last or second to last. And that's not me choosing most of the time. It's me just randomly being put there. And so I was able to kind of differentiate how I approached this um, just because I didn't want it to keep up with the same thing, the same exact players at every draft mm-hmm. I did. Um, mm-hmm. So Zeke kind of influenced me to go a different route. And Ooh. what we did is, okay. yeah, exactly. So we, we decided to, with our first two picks, we went Bauer and Trey Turner. So we got a pitcher. The, I wanted Lucas Giolito. He's on SP4. But Cheesecake, who's in this league, also has him as his SP4 and didn't let him get to me. Took mm-hmm. him at the uh, three picks in front of me. So I, was, I took Trevor Bauer and I took Trey Turner, who I think was great value here at yeah. the end of the first round. So that went, we went for pocket aces. Then a bunch of pitching went off the board. By the time it got back to me, I wasn't satisfied. There was Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now. Corbin Burns, guys I wasn't fascinated to take in the third round. So mm-hmm. we went to our good old boy, DJ LeMayu, because again, Zeke wanted to attack some more hitting. And we got Rafael Devers, who I think is going to be a great presence at third base for us. Yeah. And then we got another strong hitter in the fifth in Vlad Guerrero Jr., who I'm a huge fan of, and Zeke let me kind of have a say in that one. So mm-hmm. we went three straight hitters, three really strong hitters that I think are going to solidify our infield. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to pitching and sure enough, Zach Plesek made on the squad again, but this time in the sixth <laughs> round. So I think overall, this is my weakest pitching team because right after Plesek was Framber Valdez and mm-hmm. in the seventh, and that really hurts us. Then we had, so we took Savale in the eighth round, or I'm sorry, the ninth round, which I, we both liked that pick a lot. And then um, who else did we take? We took, are just overall we have Jordan Montgomery who's going to you know be steady but doesn't necessarily I don't think it's going to light the world on fire Dallas Keuchel Ryan Yarborough so our our pitching has a little bit of work to do we have some guys that look solid but aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. fully proven we have Ryan Presley as one of our closers so we have some guy that should be getting some saves for us Uh, but again hitting across the board with this team Zeke likes mashers and we got them uh, I think Kirilov will obviously be up at, you know, in a few weeks once he's, he comes back from being demoted. I think he'll be fine. Dylan Carlson, Alex Verdugo, Austin Meadows, when we picked him, I think, in round nine. So we ten, really were ten. You got around a 10th. Ten. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, Zeke has an eye for these guys. I, I mean, and Sal in the 11th, one of these going to be a top three catcher. Yeah. Um, again, this is the opposite of how a lot of my drafts are, where my pitching is – a lot more heavily weighted than my hitting this. I'm really satisfied with our hitters. And if we can pick up one or two pitchers on the waiver wire that, that kind of show up out of nowhere, I feel really good about us taking home this league. Well, since it's a best ball, you won't be picking anybody up. Uh, but, true. Good, good point. That. <laughs> but I, I do think actually your pitching plays up in some ways with that, because you mitigate the risk a little bit and mm-hmm. can play the upside, um, you know, Bass gets a couple saves in a week. You get those points. Good to go. Or, you know, the one good start Fulton Evich has in Texas or something like that. Um, is he even going to make the rotation? Um, I you might. The Rangers don't have a ton checked. of great guys. Yeah, it's like they don't really have any pitchers, but I haven't actually looked at that. Uh, so, yeah, I, mean, I think 
like a lot of, especially Fantrax best balls, the pitching got really pushed up in this league. Um, it did. Which is normal in a best ball format. But yeah, when you're picking at that backhand turn, if you don't double tap, I think you made the right call waiting because otherwise you're just reaching to get somebody. Um, yeah, and I actually looking, I didn't look all the way down. I, I checked it a little bit earlier today, but we mm-hmm. were able, we grabbed Trevor Rosenthal later on. We have Alex Colombe, yep. who, um, you know, I, I don't think is a bad third closer to have on the team. We still were able to get Dylan Moore pretty late. Uh, we have Hosmer's steady presence. We have Jorge Polanco, Adam Eaton, Colton Wong, a lot of guys that got pushed up later on. Yeah, um, this was before a lot of them signed, so you got some good values there. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. What's, I, maybe I should let Zeke draft for me more often because the, <laughs> the more I look, he knows at some what's of these up. Picks, yeah. He does, Anthony. Yeah. yeah, you said you brought it up, Anthony Bass. We got as our fourth to last pick. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill's going to get some round starts. for a closer. Take it. Wow, that turned yeah. out pretty well. Yep, smart dog. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see how this one plays out again. You know, it's a fan track best ball, so we just let it ride, but still be fun to keep an eye on it and go with that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess any final thoughts on either of these drafts or I guess other drafts? You're to, you did TGFBI, right? Yep, TGFBI uh, week okay. 16. Okay. How do you feel about that draft? I feel pretty good about that one too. Um, Paul Spore, I think, was the the big dog in that league. Um, I, I kind of went for the go big or go home approach in that one, <laughs> and I was a little bit more bold with my picks. Three out of my first four were pitchers, and it was uh, the two guys I've been drafting the most, Bauer and Giolito, of course, the last pick in the draft, or it was the second to last pick, so 14th. Okay. I yeah. went double. I went pocket aces. I went Randy or Rosarena in the third because hitters got pushed up actually more than pitching in my league. So there was oh, so much pitching that, yeah, it was so much pitching that lasted um, that by the time it got back to me in the third, Randy Rosarena was the last hitter that had five category potential. Uh, after wow. him, there was a, a <clears throat> steep drop. If you basically wanted stolen bases, you'd have to target a guy that just gave you stolen bases, and that's about it. So I had to overdraft him in the third. Uh, guys like Starling, Marte, Whit Merrifield, all those guys were gone. And I went Kenta Maeda in the fourth. I thought that was too good of a value to to, to not take. Uh, and then I was able to, I, I took guys like Dylan Moore and guys like that, that I, again, are huge at risk, but have that upside that they could be mm-hmm. a 2020 guy. Um, I like my rotation. Uh, my hitters, I think, ended up carving out, even though the hitting went pretty crazy more than any draft I've ever been in. Um, so I was having to kind of really hit on hitters in the middle rounds more than I'm used to then. Um, but I, I think overall, I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out. I got at Rasiel Glacius, who's my, I think is going to be the top relief pitcher this year. So I was able to get him in the six to lead my saves. So o- overall, I was very happy with how it turned out, even though it was, it went a lot different than how I expected. Yeah. I, I did a ton of mocks this off season and that TGFBI played out so differently from mm-hmm. all of them it was not really that surprising but also kind of annoying <laughs> um have you mostly avoided all of the injuries so far yeah for the most part uh i don't have any eloy jimenez i just was 
being picking where I've basically been in all my drafts. I he's gone in you know the third, pretty much where I, I haven't had a chance to take him. So I avoided mm-hmm. that. I, I have Frambird two places, so that that hurts, but it could have been worse. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I've been you know knock on wood, I've been able to avoid <laughs> the, the the bad ones for the most part. But it looks like with how spring training is going, who knows how long that's going to last. Yeah, I know. I kind of just want people to just bench all their starters until next Thursday. But mm-hmm. they won't. Sh- short and spring training. I mean, this is showing that it's like it why is we very need, long. We don't need a month of this. Like, give them yeah. two weeks. Yep. Do some camp, then they can play a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said Iglesias is your top closer, or you think we'll end the season as the top one? Yeah, I have him as my number one relief pitcher this year. Okay, what do you like about Iglesias as we uh, pivot into a little bit on players and predictions for this year? Iglesias, I think, obviously he's going as like one of those top six relief pitchers that because their job security is so uh, solid right now, you know that they're going to, you know, he's he's there along with Aroldis Chapman, uh, with uh, all the guys that you you kind of look at up top, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks. Yeah. He, he's lumped in there where hey, unless he's hurt, he's the closer. He's signed. He's shown he's effective. There's not a great guy behind him that's going to take the job. So that already alone vaults him up pretty high. Then if you look at his time with the Reds, that he wants to be a closer. He doesn't like being a fireman. He came out there and said that. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think his numbers showed a little bit that he kind of gets thrown off when he's not closing games and he's doing these multi-inning appearances. So I think he's going to be in the role that he's comfortable in. He has great strikeout stuff. He's again shown someone who's shown he can do it before. He's got healthy velocity. I think he's again. Uh, the Angels are actually seems like more so than I realize. A lot of people's pick to win the division this year, and I think he's the perfect guy for the back end of that bullpen. Uh, the Angels play it looks like in a lot of close games when you look at their usually their schedule and their scoring. So they're not like the Yankees or a team like the Blue Jays that's going to blow you out with their hitting. So I, I just, all those factors in, I, I just, I'm like, look, he's, he's solid. He's got the job security. He's got the stuff. He's got a team that's going to play close games. I just can't get enough of Rysel Iglesias. He's my number one. He was good out there. Yeah. Um, so I can certainly see it. Uh, we can't talk player predictions with you without talking Dylan Cease. <laughs> Floor is yours. I'll just let you take it. Yeah. I mean, Dylan Cease. I know people are probably tired of me talking about him, uh, but the results are showing right now, and he's looked great in spring training. His ADP, according to the NFBC, is now he's getting picked in, the, I think, like 285. And when I originally started talking about him, he was going around 421 uh, about two months ago. So his ADP has already shot up over 100 ADP spots. The, the big thing with me is he spent countless hours with the core velocity belt, which helped fix his early trunk rotation that he'd been experiencing the last year and a half, two years. And that had been contributing to why he'd been walking so many guys. And Mm. I think the fact that once you work on that trunk rotation, which helps eliminate some of that extra cut that he was having, especially on his four seamer, that that's going to help keep pitches more in the strike zone. And that way he's not only going to help limit walking guys, but if guys see he has the type of control, they're going to swing more, which would hopefully increase his strikeout percentages one of the also things i saw was the vertical break on his four seamer was around 14 to 15 inches 
And that had been away from his career norm that he'd had in the minors, which was around 18 and a half. And if you have that break, that also helps with the deception factor. And with the core velocity belt and with the offseason training, it's actually now up to over 20 this offseason. So hmm. that also was a big factor in seeing it. And then the, the cherry on top was the fact that Ethan Katz is there. And for people that don't know who that is, that's the guy who transformed Lucas Giolito and made him a Cy Young contender from basically a guy with a six ERA, one of the worst starters in the big leagues. And he worked on his mechanics, worked on his delivery. He's doing the same thing with Dylan Cease right now. They were doing once a week phone calls virtually before spring training. Now they're in person. There's even, a, I think, a five-minute video on YouTube that you can watch, and it's him them working together from a few weeks ago. And you can see how much Ethan Katz goes into the specifics of every single thing they do, talking about how he needs to finish his, his pitches and his delivery and how he attacks the hitters. And I think you combine all these things along with the fact that Dylan C's already had the stuff and the velocity. He just needed to be able to hone and control it better. This is the guy that I'm not saying is a Cy Young this year, but I've been con yeah. consistently saying he's going to be a top 30 pitcher. The guy that takes probably the biggest leap from being somebody that's borderline rosterable to being somebody that's going to be probably an SP2, SP3 on a lot of teams. So I, I've been getting him as my SP6, SP7, and I plan on being having him be a, a big part of my team. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I was targeting him in a number of drafts, but apparently was not the highest person on him in a lot of those rooms. <laughs> um, was going to jump ADP, and then someone jumped it even more. Um, got a couple shares, though, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays out. But yeah, the, the Giolito parallels of... A lot of really good stuff, struggling with certain things. The Sox have something working there, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I guess get those uh, Dylan C's prop bets in while you can. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he if he completely poops the bed, uh, then I'm going to have to hide in a hole for a while. <laughs> Everyone's wrong every once in a while. Yeah. So outside of Cease, um, and I mean, I guess we saw this in the two leagues we talked about, had some Savali, DJ LeMahieu. Are there certain guys you find yourself with a lot of shares of heading into this year? I have a lot of Vlad Jr. I wrote an article about Vlad Jr. a few months ago. I think it was towards the end of the season, probably back in December. And talking about people were, before he's, he was destroying the ball this spring, I said, people are, are paying attention to the weight loss and they think that this was something that happened after the season. But mm. if you look, you actually see that he was losing the weight during the year. I think he ended up losing 22 of the 30 
something pounds he lost was during the season. And mm. you can see that in his swing. If you look, I was, there's a clip in the article on fan tracks where you look at his at bat from the first week of the year and he's very stiff. He looks, his swing is just very unathletic. He kind of looks like he's got like cement for shoes. And then you look, I put another one up towards the end of the year and he's slimmer. He's more athletic, which the fact that he's more athletic means he's going to have better plate coverage, better athleticism. He's going to be able to, might not have been able to with the bat speed. So there were a lot of factors that played in. He went from hitting like, I think it was 222 or something like that through his first 22 games. And then his launch angle right now is 19 degrees in spring training. So he's getting some lift on the ball now. And that's something that had been scaring people off. So Luckily, I, I was. This was probably the hitter equivalent of to I'd really all in, and I, I 100% thinks is the year he breaks out, and he's going to be one of those guys going at the end of the first or early second next year. Um, so I've been trying to get him. Giolito, as I mentioned, is my SP4. So since I'm basically at the turn in a lot of my drafts, I've been grabbing him in the first round as much as I can. I think I have him in four or five leagues. Eugenio Suarez. I think it's the bat X or one of those projection systems actually have him hitting 50 home runs. And mm. I love the value, especially if he gets the shortstop eligibility. So he's been somebody that I've been targeting in the fifth round pretty consistently. Marcus Semyon's been kind of falling in my lap a lot, hitting second in the a stacked Blue Jays lineup where he's going to get a lot of runs and he's, you know, hopefully get maybe some steals here and there, hit for a decent average, someone who's going to contribute in a lot of categories. Uh, Ian Happ, I wrote an article on him. He's somebody that if you look before he got hit in the eye by a batted mm -hmm. ball from his bat, he was a completely different player than when he was yep. after. And people look at his final numbers and they look at how he ended the season and they think he just went back to the old Ian Happ, but that's not the case. And he's somebody that there's no competition to take him off the field. The Cubs have literally nobody behind <laughs> him. So he's going to get at bats even if he's struggling. So I like yep. Ian Happ a lot. Corey Kluber. I liked, but then Sammy Reed came on our show and really sold me on him. And I'd been getting some shares of him. Uh, he's been obviously rising up ADP even more recently, but somebody who he basically said, look, when Corey Kluber pitches a full season, he's not going to be a guy that has a five ERA. They said you could probably at worst expect maybe a low fours ERA, the guy that's going to pitch a lot of innings. And that's very valuable, especially where a lot of young guys, you don't know how many innings they're going to pitch and what to expect. So um, I've been getting a lot of Kluber, Tyler Malley, love the slider from him. So I've gotten him in a few places as well. Yeah, with, with the Hap, as a Cubs fan, I could see it. Like mm -hmm. watching the games, you saw the injury, you wondered how he's going to come back. Actually, as the season started wrapping up and he was still struggling, I was like, huh. He might be a steal in drafts next year because everyone's going to not remember the eye injury. And I think where he's going, he could very easily return a really good value on that. Um, and as a fan, hope he is also really good for us. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah, those are certainly some good guys to target. Before we turn to predictions, of those players or others, are there guys who you think will outperform their ADP have a really good return on investment. Obviously the guys you're targeting are hopefully those. Um, are there some others who maybe you don't have as many shares of that you think will be really valuable for this year? Yeah. Uh, I wish I had more Lance McCullers. I think mm -hmm. he just signed that contract. I think he's going to be really good for the Astros. Anthony Rizzo, I think bounces mm -hmm. back this year. 
uh, and he's being a little disrespected right now. Same with JD Martinez with yep. the, with video being back. I think he's going to be a 30 and a hundred player again. Um, so I, I have him, but not as much as I want of him actually been seeing Lord as Gurriel jr's name thrown around a lot. And I have zero Lord Gurriel jr. And I wish I had more of him. Mm-hmm. Cabrian Hayes, everybody's talking him up. Jock Peterson for your Cubs, I think could hit 30 plus home runs easily. If he plays every day, which sounds yep. like he has a good chance to Ty France. I have a good amount of, and I think he's great. Bobby Dahlbeck. Hmm. I, I mean, he might lead the major league in, in home runs if he gets consistent playing time. And if the Red and Sox strikeouts. let him play through the, yeah, he'll lead in yeah. strikeouts and home <laughs> runs. He'll be, yep. he'll be the Adam Dunn without the walks. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, I, I haven't, I'll talk about him again later. So I, I think there's big yeah. things coming from Dahlbeck. And then a couple pitchers, Ryan Yarborough, I think, has been rising up. I think he's a nice later round guy to get. Freddie Peralta mm-hmm. has looked really great this spring. I think he's, I just actually got a notification while we were on that he's going to start the year out in the rotation. So I think he's somebody that's going really late that could get a huge rise and uh, finish way above their ADP. And I mentioned his name before, but Adam Ottavino, I think, will be the Red Sox closer, whether it's the full season or he gets traded at the deadline to a team that wants him as their closer or whatever. But I think he's going to be the guy to get saves for the Red Sox. Okay. Yeah, that could be a very valuable late pickup um, or waiver wire grab if he's available and you had any of the small army of closers that got injured in the last <laughs> week. So, um, okay, let's widen it from players to teams. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Who's winning the divisions? Uh, let's start over in the NL East. Well, you know what's funny is this is actually the first time I've done it this offseason. So when you sent me the script, I was like, this is the first time I'm actually making the predictions on this. So it was kind of fun. Um, and at least Braves, I think the Braves are still the class of that division. The Mets made a lot of improvements. I have them finishing second. The Marlins, I think, are going to be third. I think this is uh, they have the pitching to do it, and they have some sneaky hitters. I think they're going to sneak as a number three seed here in the division. Number four, the Phillies. I think the Phillies, again, have the hitting. Their pitching can be a little shaky behind Nola and Wheeler, but I think they finished fourth, and I have the Nats finishing fifth. Okay. How I about the, Central? Oh, sorry. Go I ahead. was going to say, I think the these, Nats, yeah. I just think the Nats pitching is so questionable. They have Scherzer there, but, uh, you know, Scherzer can have six innings and 13 strikeouts, but then he could also have six innings and five earned runs and, uh, Strasburg has his injury problems. Corbin looks awful. And I'm just worried that they're just not going to have the consistency that they've been having from their stacked pitching rotation, which is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of question marks there. Um, so moving from the Nationals, who seem to have a million former Cubs, to the Cubs division in the NL Central, what do you think's going to happen there? I have the Cardinals winning it. I think the Cardinals are, again, just they're always there, always contending. I think they'll be at the top. The Brewers, not far behind. I think they'll be competing until the last week of the season. The Reds in the third spot. Um, They're kind of in that middle ground between the Cubs and Pirates and the Brewers and Cardinals. So uh, I think they're the easiest three for me of all the divisions. 
the Cubs at four sold off too many pieces, I think, to be contending. And then the only reason mm-hmm. they're not five is because the Pirates are in that division who are going to probably be the worst team in baseball this year. Yeah, it, it the Central will be interesting. I could see it ending really any way, pretty much. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I don't know if I trust the Cardinals rotation after Flaherty. The Brewers have a lot of questions. The Reds mm-hmm. have a lot of questions. Like, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of meh and then the Pirates. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the much more interesting and actually has good teams, NL West, Dodgers or Padres? Dodgers. I, I just, I don't see in what world the Dodgers don't win the division, no matter how good the Padres are. And maybe that's weird to think that that, but I think it's the Dodgers season to lose. I think it's mm-hmm. not like it's the world series or bust. And I don't see them losing the division. I see the Padres as one of those teams that might have the second best record in the league, but because they're in the same division with the Dodgers, they will be at the top wild card. Yep. Um, so those two, I have the giants at three somehow. I think they always are somehow sneakily better than people think the Rockies at four and then the diamondbacks at five. Okay. So Padres and who's your other wild card team? Uh, the Mets. Okay. Who do you think takes on the pennant? Dodgers. I just okay. don't don't, especially now with Bauer in that rotation. I don't see them anybody beating them. It is hard to argue against that. Uh, so flipping over to the we still get to have the DH American League. <laughs> what do you think's happening in the East over there? The AL East was the toughest one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the AL to rank. And I have it. The Yankees were number one. That was the, I felt pretty confident in that. But choosing between the Blue Jays and Rays at number two was hard for me. And part of me, half of me was saying the Rays experience, they always get the job done. They're always doing things the right way. They're going to be there when you didn't think they would be. Wanted me to put them at two, but I think the Blue Jays talent is just so stacked that I think they'll get the two, not by much, but I think they'll get the two. Rays will go three. Red Sox will be much improved, but I think they'll go four, and then the Orioles at five. Okay. How about in the Central with a kind of, again, weird mix of teams? The Central seems to be good at that. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to figure out the top two here, the White Sox and Twins. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Twins fan, so it pains me to put another team ahead of them after the twins have been taking the division the last few years, but I think the white Sox, I, I I'm not mistaken, are like the third highest favorites for the world series right now. They're uh, they're up there or maybe if it's not three, it's in the top five. So I think this actually will be the year the white Sox overtake us in the division twins. Number two, I've Kansas city at three. I think they're okay. better than people give them credit for Cleveland, who basically is just, their payroll is all minor leaguers or it's like what it feels like with the payroll they put together uh, is going to be four and tigers at five. Cleveland has some talent there. They have great pitching, but I just see them, their offense just struggling so much that their pitching is not even going to matter. Okay. That's completely fair. If their offense is Jose Ramirez and Jose Ramirez. So yeah, <laughs> yep. Jose Franmil and Eddie Rosario. And then 
you've got a bunch of question marks. Andres Jimenez, what is he anything besides stolen bases? Is he going to actually hit for a decent average or, or be a threat for any power? The ghost of Ahmed Rosario, who's going to be playing center <laughs> field. I mean, oh man, yeah, it's 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 kind of a mess there. Yeah, that's going to be an experiment. Um, so flipping to the AL West, do you have your Russell Iglesias Angels at the top, or who's taking that crown? Uh, I have the Astros, and even though okay. a lot of people have the Angels ahead, and I could see it, I think the Astros just will take the division. But I think they'll somehow piece things together. They have a good bullpen. I like Paredes and Presley. Josh James, when he comes back, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be good. Um, so Astros, number one. Angels, a close second. The A's at three. The Mariners, who I love, and I love what they're doing there. It's not their time yet. They'll be four. And the Rangers will be one of the worst teams in the American League. They'll be at five. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay. Who are your two wildcard teams there? Uh, I probably will have the Blue Jays and the Twins. Okay. And the pennant winner? This one's a little harder than the NL for me, at least. Yeah, I, I think it's it, this one is definitely it. Definitely between the Yankees, White Sox, Astros. I don't think it's the White Sox this year. I, I think this is the year the Yankees go. Who do okay. you have? I haven't actually thought through these, but yeah, Dodgers seems pretty easy. And if it's not them, you're like, okay, the Padres pulled something off in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But in the AL. Yeah, it's probably the Yankees if they're healthy. Um, I'm not sure what to make of the Astros right now. That offense could be good, but it's so hard to tell what'll happen. Um, I mean, I think if the White Sox, like if Cease does put it together, that's a really good top four for a playoff rotation. Um, So if Cease is what you think he could be, I could see them pulling it off. Yeah. But I... Let's just say I'm not putting any money on a AL pennant winner for this. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, how about some awards? NL Cy Young, who you got? Jacob Degrom, baby. I mean, that yeah, man's that, that one's that not man's too good. hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. Uh, yeah, if, if, if he's the healthy, a- I think it's just a health. Yeah. If he's healthy, he's. I think he's winning it. Yep. How about the AL? Lucas Giolito, SP four. Elite K percentage each of the last two years, top 10% in 2019, top 8% in 2020. Expected ERA has gone down each of the last two seasons. Lowered his hard hit percentage the last few years. Exit VLOs are above league average as well. I think he obviously broke out in 2019, but he's kept a similar pitch mix, healthy velocity. Seems like the real deal. If he's on a team like the White Sox is going to give him as many wins as we expect, I think he's going to have the numbers to back it up and, and we'll take it down. So he's your SP4 behind Cole and Bieber, but you think he takes home the side? Yeah, behind Cole and Bieber and DeGrom. Um, right, and, right. And I, 
and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he was SP three. Okay. If, if he overtook Bieber, I'm not going to rank it right that like that right now. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think just the fact again, he's going to be right there alongside Cole. I, I think mm-hmm. Bieber because the the it, Cleveland won't win enough games. I don't think he's going to have the type of dominance he had last year. So I think it's going to be between him and Cole. And I, I think that it's going to be one of those things that it's going to come down to just some logistics at the end. But I think Giolito's got it this year over Cole. Okay. How about the rookie of the year in the NL? Dylan Carlson, who came up at the end of last year after looking overmatched when he first came up. And if you combine his September and the NLDS, over 54 plate appearances, hit 289, uh, full slash 289, 389, 578. Took a lot of strides, cut his strikeout rate. He's got an all-star pedigree profile from the minor leagues. He's going to be in the middle of the Cardinals order. Cardinals seem like they can develop hitters pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's going to be somebody that's not flashy, but he's going to be some at the end of the season. You're like, wow, he was a rookie and he had those numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to be somebody again, 25 to 30 home runs hit in the middle of that lineup. So he'll get a lot of RBIs, maybe like, you know, 90 RBIs. He's going to steal some bags. I think he's just going to be someone that you're going to be glad is your outfield three outfield four and we'll take home the award. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine hitting around uh, professional hitters like Goldschmidt and Arenado hurts too mm-hmm. much in a player's right. development. Uh, how point. about on the AL side there? Who's the kid who's going to take home that award? So the easy choice is, go to, is to go Randy or Rosarena, but mm-hmm. I'm feeling Bobby Dahlbeck, who was, Ooh. according to Vegas Insider, was plus 2,000 for the award. Yeah, he's, he's hit six home runs already this spring. Again, I, as I mentioned before, I think if he plays every day, I think he hits 40. He's going to probably hit 240 to go along with that 40 home runs and strike out, uh, probably lead the league in strikeouts. Um, you know, he, he struck out actually 39 of his 80 at-bats last year, so almost a 50% K percentage. It's also not been great in spring, but again, if the Red Sox are going to let him play and get better and mature a little bit, I'm sure the strikeout rate will stabilize. It might be again a league leading k percentage but it's not going to be 50 percent makes incredibly powerful contact with the ball uh the power potential is there i think if you at the end of the year if you have a rookie that hits 40 home runs i don't really care what other guys are doing i think he's going to have to win the award just because of that number okay the that was not what i was expecting for that answer and well until you teased it earlier okay (laughs) Uh, NL MVP. Bryce Harper. StatCap, StatCast page would make a, a bull angry, honestly. I mean, it's all red. <laughs> he's a guy, if you want to look, he's 92% or above in exit velo, XBA, hard hit percentage, XWOBA, XSlug, barrel percentage, walk percentage. I mean, he's got a 20% walk rate last year, and his K percentage went down nearly 9%, the lowest of his career. If you have a guy with his profile that's cutting his strikeout rate that much, and making the kind of contact that he does, I mean, he's going to give you some steals. The Phillies, I will expect, even though I have them finishing fourth, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked if they're competing for a division title. Uh, he He's somebody that's going to be on a team that's going to hopefully contend. And uh, I, I think it's not a fluke because I think he really figured some stuff out. And he's been somebody in, in OBP leagues is creeping up and going into the first round. I think people realize the potential that's there. And the strikeout stuff was the only thing that was super concerning. And that seems like he's figured something out. 
I think he's the NL MVP this year. Yeah, I, I think people too forget that he's 28. Yeah. Like he came into the league when he was 19. So it feels like he's been around for forever because he broke in in 2012, but mm-hmm. he's still very young. So I like that pick. How about on the AL side? This one's hot takey, very hot takey, but I, it's kind of tying into how I feel about him. It's Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'm very much, I think, with how his profile and if he just has that launch angle up, like I said before, he's he was determined to be a better player. He'd been relying on natural talent. He talked about how Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and all these young guys that have taken the league by storm have motivated him to actually start putting in work in his craft and not just relying on that God-given talent. Hitting over 500 this spring as of you know a few days ago. I don't know what he's hitting right now, but uh, this is a guy that right now you're getting in the third or fourth round. But like I said, I think he's going to be a borderline first, second round pick next year. He's going to be on the best offense, arguably in baseball in the middle of it. He's going to be contending. He's has You can't pitch around him because the lineup is so good. So he's going to get pitches to hit. Mm-hmm. I just think this is the year. Again, maybe it's it's 36 home runs, 120 RBIs. Uh, he might contribute. He had two steals last year, so maybe he gives you six to eight steals. I just think at the end of the year, the Blue Jays will be in the playoffs. You're going to see his crazy numbers, and he's going to get it. Michael Waterloo approves of that pick wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I wonder with MVP in the AL, if Otani can pitch and hit all year, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. Oh, yeah. But that's a that's good a, point. That's a big if. Um, I'd love to see him stay healthy and be able to do it. But he's hitting like, he's hitting like over 600 in 30 pitching has been so nasty. Like if he can do it all year, he's the MVP. I heard um, Justin Upton say on another podcast that he's the most athletic player he's ever seen. Wow. Upton's been on a team with Mike Trout for multiple years. So exactly. That's saying something. He made sure to clarify that too. He's like, I know I play with Mike Trout, but Otani's the biggest athletic freak. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking about the, all the other players that Upton's played with over his yeah, career. He's been around. That's... Yeah. Yep. Even just on the last couple of years, he's had Simmons, like all these different just freaks of nature. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, just stay healthy then, Shohei. Show us what right. you can do. <laughs> I have um, no shares of him. So if this is the year he stays healthy, I'm <laughs> totally going to have FOMO. Uh, I did grab one in a cut line just the other day because I needed one because um, <laughs> I didn't want to miss out if it does happen. Right, right. Um, I totally get that. And it's cut line, so I'll get his pitching or hitting whatever best that week. So Right. Um, okay, the important questions coming in from Corbin. What is your favorite donut and Quest Bar flavor? My favorite Quest Bar flavor is coincidentally the chocolate sprinkled donut one it tastes just like a donut i've never seen a bar get that close to actually tasting like the real thing uh hands down my favorite quest bar my favorite donut uh i haven't had like regular donuts in a long time um but i always a a big fan of the pink frosted sprinkle one like the homer simpson one okay that that one's always usually my favorite go-to one okay and getting even more wildly useless in terms of questions. Um, Eric Cross wanted to know who your best friend is, Patrick, Squidward, or Sandy? Yeah, he thinks um, SpongeBob. 
So okay, I he, was I had no clue what he was going for with that one, but yeah, it, I forgot how it started, but he's what he does is almost he took a break from it for a little bit, but now he's back doing it. Whenever he responds to something I tweet, it's a with a SpongeBob GIF, and he has one for every situation, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's eating, whether it's a fantasy take or whatever. He has a secret one all the time because he says we're the same person. So. If I am SpongeBob, then it's always Patrick, of course. Yeah, I don't think that's a question if you're SpongeBob. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, before I let you go, anything you want to plug? You've got three podcasts. You're writing at Fantrax. Uh, the Triple Play Swag Store is up. Uh, tell people where they can find all that and hit you up. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at dmendio2. I usually am tweeting a bunch of football and baseball and sometimes basketball stuff. I love fantasy sports, so I'm always doing something like that. Um, check out our website, which just launched a few weeks ago, tripplayfantasy.com. A lot of great stuff. All our podcasts are there. We have our articles. Uh, we brought in a couple of new writers that are writing for us now that one of them, Marty Tallman, just dropped a nice piece on five late round hitters. All our guests, if you're interested to see some of the guests that we've brought on the show that have some prestigious backgrounds, they're listed on the site. Anything that you would want on a website is usually there, and all the stuff that we do is there. Um, and then if you're interested, just keeping up on the social media at Trip Play Fantasy, our Twitter account run by the doc, uh, has usually a lot of fun and engaging content there too, if you want to check that out. Perfect. Yeah, we'll link to all of those in the show notes. And yeah, if you like basketball, football, um, both real life and fantasy. Make sure to check out those as well as the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show and all the good stuff there. Um, been a lot of trade deadline coverage lately on those other mm -hmm. shows. So, yep. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. This was an absolute blast. Enjoyed being on. Thank you for listening to the Commissioner's Office. Before we wrap it up, some final housekeeping. Our most likely final league before the season, a live auction redraft draft, is happening on Sunday night. And as of this recording, we've got a couple spots left. So let me know if you want to get into that. You can now go and get Commissioner's Office, Dynasty One Stop, and items for every D1S league at the store on my website. And it's linked in the show notes. Don't forget to follow Mendy and check out all of his great work that'll be linked in the show notes as well. You can follow me at Dynasty One Stop and see everything Fantasy Commish related there. As always, feel free to email me or DM me any questions about the league or anything else fantasy baseball related. We'll be back soon with another great guest. Finally, please remember to rate and review the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. That really does help us out. You can also support the podcast through the link in our show notes. And that's all from the commissioner's office. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and always read the Constitution. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.